I, I took the kids to uh, a pizza parlor to celebrate that I'd sold my first book. And I was excited. Then halfway through eating my damn pizza, I realized this is going to change my life. And all of a sudden, it was just there. So I hyperventilated and I had to go home and and go to bed for a little while. (laughs) That was the voice of Iris Johansson. Formative voice of our lives. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Iris Johansson has been writing books for a really long time, and she is still writing. um, A a famous author now of a big thriller series about a woman named Eve Duncan. But she started out writing Love Sweeps, and I got to tell you, her name came up on the Zoom, and I did that thing where I lost my mind again. Like, I thought I was going to be cool, but I wasn't. She was great. It was really a delight. This, these are fun. We have these a are cool fun. job. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, everyone. Welcome to Faded Mates. Uh, you will be listening next to our interview with Iris Johansson. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. I'm Sarah McLean, a romance reader and author. And uh, here we go. So one of the questions we just like to ask to start is like, what did bring you to romance or what made you a romance writer and reader? Well, uh, I'm, I'm a reader. Uh, that, that's, that's the main thing. I'm a reader of any book. Uh, and, uh, my first books were, uh, Tarzan. <laughs> Adventure and romance and everything like that. When I was like nine years old, something like that. And, uh, I went from there to different romances, uh, even in the childhood uh, phase. And um, I I didn't seek romance out. I think it kind of sought me out because I always, there was always adventure in it and there was always a happy ending. And let's face it, uh, we all need happy endings these days. It's the truth. So how did you um, come to write romance? Because there, you really started in, in the days when um, it, it almost feels when we talk to people like it was the Wild West in the early 80s. And did you, you started with your Love Swept books, correct? Right. That is correct. And uh, actually, um, you, you say it was Wild West, but at that particular time, there was also uh, a, a really... Uh, wonderful thirst for romance and happy endings. Uh, For instance, uh, I started with Love Swept, which was a a new line at that particular time. Uh, But there was Ecstasy, and that was very popular. Uh, In fact, I was thinking about sending my first book to Ecstasy because, gee, everybody seemed to be writing for them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, when when I started first writing for Love Swift, it was really because uh, I, I'd read a, a few of the things that they had another line going before that. Uh, and um, I, I read it and I thought, I don't really like this book. I, maybe I could do a little bit better. So um, that's what I did. I said, okay, all right, I'm just going to try. And what was your life like at that point where did where did you find time to write a whole book <laughs> i didn't have time you know none of none of us really have time and i was pretty busy at the time because uh, i was divorced i had two children i worked for eastern airlines full time and i was a great reader so I, I, a lot of times I would say, why am I writing this when I could be in there reading somebody else that's much better than me? <laughs> that feels very real, Iris. It feels like my whole every day. <laughs> reading time. Reading time is so precious, right? Yeah, it, isn't it? Particularly yeah. when you have a life. Yes. And, and we all have have lives that uh, we just have to, to reach out and grab and, and and hope that we do the best we can. But yeah, I was working for Eastern Airlines. I, I, I should tell you that first off, because that's where I did a lot of my writing. In, in the break room, I had this yellow pad 
And whenever I had a break, I'd go in there and I'd try to write a little bit on the, the latest book, whatever it was. And were you writing at the, at the same time, were there other people in your life who were also romance writers who were encouraging you or was it really you alone in the break room? It was just me alone in the break room. They all thought I was kind of nuts. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had lives too. And what are you doing with that big yellow pad? And who do you think you are anyway, honey? <laughs> How did that first manuscript, I mean, did you send it to Carolyn Nichols? How did it work back in the day? Well, first of all, the, the, that first manuscript didn't wasn't the one that, that went in all by itself. Because... Uh, mm-hmm. Let's face it, I was scared, and I thought, maybe this is crazy, okay? So I took it, and I put it on a shelf, and then I started another one, and I, I think that I had three or four, and, and then uh, my friend said, you know, you're wasting your time, honey. Why don't you just throw it up there, and if they throw it back, it isn't going to hurt you. At that time, uh, Carolyn Nichols was starting. She was editing a new book. And um, The the Love Swept was, well, let's face it, you know, Sandra Brown. She was kind of big during that. (laughs) Not just like she is now. (laughs) Not like today. I'm quite sure. Sandra Brown. (laughs) And there was, you know, several other authors that were really, really good. And I thought, okay, they're good. They're good. if if I'm going to write with somebody, I just love to be in the same genre. And so I said, okay, all right. So I threw the first one up there. Is that Stormy Vows? That was Stormy Vows. Only at that time, I think it was, what was it? Uh, the Love Formula or something like that. <laughs> That's a good title. <laughs> anyway, then I threw that one up there. And I, I, I tried to forget about it. Then one afternoon, I, I got this call, and uh, it was Carolyn Nichols, and she said, I want to publish your book. And she said, by any chance, do you have any more? <laughs> and I said, oh, dear, I'll have to see. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me check my under my bed. <laughs> I sent them all up there. And she published all of them. And was she your editor for many years? Yeah, she was. At Love Swept. And we obviously, we're very sad that we are not able to interview Carolyn Nichols. Um, But so could you give us a sense of what she was like? Because she is so transformative when you think about the history of the genre. Tough. Um, Mm -hmm. New York. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Just what it sounds like. (laughs) She loved uh, her city. She loved her job. And she helped. You can't imagine. I didn't know how to write, really. Not really. I just wrote. And I just let everything come out. And she edited me. Not a lot. Not a lot. But every time I would make a mistake, she'd say, maybe you ought to think about that. (laughs) And and most of the time, that was what I did. I I thought about it. That enriched me. That partnership, those long-term editorial partnerships, they are rarer and rarer these days with new authors. And I think anytime we we talk to somebody who has been edited, was edited for a long time by one author, one editor, it feels like a really important relationship. And it's a tough relationship to explain. You and others in those early days of Love Swept and can and Ecstasy and, and other category, the category lines that were exploding, you were really inventing a genre. Did you feel that? Did you get a sense of that? Or was it just sort of, you know, writing on your yellow pad? No, uh, it first started off the yellow pad. And, yeah. and then when I realized that people liked what I was writing, and I thought, okay, then... Let it loose, honey. Let it loose. Yay! (laughs) So what did that look like? Yeah, how did that feel? What that meant is that I knew I was going to be a storyteller. Let me tell you, when Carolyn called me that first day, and uh, I I took the kids to uh, a pizza parlor to celebrate that I'd sold my first book, right? Right. And I was excited. Then halfway through eating my damn pizza, 
I realized this is going to change my life. Mm. And all of a sudden, it was just there. So I hyperventilated <laughs> and I had to go home and, and go to bed for a little while. <laughs> you know, it, it's not as if it was uh, like a, a lightning strike from above that, you know, oh, I'm going to be this great writer, da, da, da. It was just, this is what I'm going to be doing. I can tell these stories. I I love to tell these stories. So you wrote many, many love sweeps. How did you manage, right, sort of the increased demands of writing a book? I mean, do you have any, do you remember how many books you wrote in a year or what was that like? I don't remember precisely. I think uh, I was, I was writing at least four a year. And that was, that was pretty big because a lot of people wrote one a year. I, I, I never, never even thought about writing less because the stories were there and why shouldn't I tell them? So I wonder if we could talk a little bit about those stories because I was that that romance reader who had giant bags full of love swept with the famous <laughs> oh, swoop yeah. that had your name right on the cover. I mean, you were possibly, I mean, you were definitely one of the first romance novelists like I knew oh, yes, and loved. Me too. And, um, and so I'm curious because when I think of an Iris Johansson book, I think of these kind of w- really larger than life love stories with very kind of extra people, like big people who there's one about a balloonist, a man who's like a balloonist. And there's, you know, the heroines who are stunt women who are, um, you know, we talk a lot on Faded Mates about the 80s contemporaries being really a place where women had very cool jobs um, and very, you know, big jobs. Uh, You know, you have lots of singers and actors and, you know, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about putting together these stories that really have a high fantasy element, not obviously fantasy the way we talk about it in genre, but a really big sense of these people doing remarkable things. It it just came naturally. Come on. uh, If you had a good friend who lived down the hall, wouldn't you want to hang out with them if if they had a great job? Yes. And, 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 <laughs> yes. and maybe a, a really great, sexy boyfriend. <laughs> but, you know, you wouldn't want to move in on her. But uh, you might uh, want to just hang out. But maybe he has friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. And, and maybe the friend is, is funny. And maybe the friend is... Uh, uh, has has the same type of of life that your friend down the hall has and you just want to hang out for a while and after a while i realized that that was what i was doing i was trying to create a world that that i wanted to live in uh if only for a short amount of time and if if i could do that and and keep on doing it Gee, that was so exciting. And at what point did you realize that readers were just eating them up? I didn't realize it, really. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, that's not quite quite true because I, I did make a lot of lists even during the, mm. the, the first, first uh, books that I wrote. Uh, but I didn't really think about I didn't think about the reader until I actually started going to the kind of uh, signings where you actually could sit there and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and then they, all of a sudden you realized, hey, they got me. They got me. They really got me. And that is such a blessing. And it feels so different for us as romance reader, romance writers. It feels like romance has that special vibe with readers that other genres don't quite get the same experience with. You know, when I was writing those love swifts, uh, first of all, I, I just wrote a, a story that I thought that I'd like to read. And then I started to write. Uh, it just seems to be expanding. Uh, I, I, I thought, okay, that, that's not long enough. I, I, I need to write more. And what about that character that I introduced in here? I can't just let him go and, and, and not say anything about him. Right, of course. I, he was too good a character. 
So then the books started expanding on their own. I, I think the Love Sweats were, what, 60,000 words or so? I don't even remember. Probably. Just about. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. That's when I started to to write longer books. I said, what about historical? I loved historicals. I love science fiction. I love books. Come on. <laughs> right. I love books. You might not remember this, but I was a devoted Iris Johansson fan, and there was... There was a thing that happened with, like, this Delaney series. Oh, yes, the Delaney. The Delaney's. And <laughs> what I remember is, even as, I mean, I was pretty young at the time, but I remember feeling like, oh, this feels different, right? Like, so it was, for those of you who are listening, it was, I think, the first series. It was, like, kind of three authors. It was you, Fairin, Preston, and... Okay. Uh, Kay, Kay, Kay Hooper, Hooper, of course. Yeah. And, you know, they they were like kind of three intertwined stories that all came out. And then and then it seemed to spawn like some there were some historicals that came from it. And I remember even at the time feeling like, oh, these are like powerhouse authors. So was that, you know, those historicals, were those some of the first you wrote? Or did you get a sense that those were sort of different too, that Love Swept was really showcasing you as an author at that point? Nah. <laughs> you know you know you know where that came from uh we were uh we went to this conference uh uh the th- and it was in um Arizona and it, we had such a great time at that conference and we got to know each other and uh we never you know, experimented with writing uh, with the other authors. And we thought, wouldn't that be fun? Why don't we do that? Why don't we put it in, was was it Arizona? I don't even remember. I think so, yeah. And then Australia or something. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, that too, that too. But uh, why don't we just do that and write our own books and tie them up some way that make them all our own books, individual, and 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 not not cheat the reader at all. Mm-hmm. And we had such a good time. For one thing, we'd gotten to be good friends, and there's nothing like having a, a, a good friend that you can talk to uh, about uh, a craft that you love. Tell us about it. <laughs> you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, Here we, we are. are. <laughs> That's really cool. So are you, so at that point, so you decide you're going to start breaking out. You're going to start writing historicals. You're going to start trying different things. Is um, Carolyn still with you at this point or now wh- what's, what's it look like in terms of how you make this shift? Because if I'm correct, this was not an easy shift to make. No. Right? From no. category to single title. No, it, it wasn't. But uh, I had a lot of encouragement in the industry by that time. Mm-hmm. And when I decided that I would like to go in a different direction, I just said, Captains, may I? <laughs> 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 and they said, Hell, go for it. <laughs> That's so great. What a cool group. So did you have an agent at the time? Oh, yes. Yes. Who was that? That was Andrea Cirillo. I still I still have Andrea after all these years. And boy, she put up with a lot with me <laughs> all through those years. I think it's probably worth it. <laughs> at this point, what does an Irish Johansson book look like? You know, when you, because now I think we talk so much about branding and marketing and, you know, when you make the move, you know, what is the, what does it look like? What's your brand? And so is there a hallmark? Is there a thing that you think of that you think people really can put their finger on when it comes to your stories? Even when I uh, moved uh, away from conventional Mm -hmm. uh, romance, I was always trying to, to give the reader something to hold on to. I, I wanted families. I, I wanted to, to build people who, who I'd like to, to live with mm-hmm. and terrible villains that I wouldn't want to kill. <laughs> sure. And I've never, I've never gotten away from that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't 
think I have a brand, but I might. Uh, but if I do, it's up to the reader to decide if I do or not. I I, I want it. To, I want them to love the books. But here's here's something that you'll always know, and and that is, I may have tr- trouble with with people, but you. I'll never kill a dog or an animal. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it because I, I, I love them so much and they're so full of love. And I, I can come close. Now, I can put an animal in, uh, in, in, in some sort of threat, but no way could I ever kill an animal. <laughs> This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Sarah Wetmore, author of The Christmas Script. Jen, it's holiday romance time, and so everyone out there is looking for good holiday romance. Yes, that's all I want. This one has a great premise. Holly Frost is the head writer of a hit soap opera set in a small western town, but when she is asked to turn in a script for the holiday episode, the Christmas episode, her bosses are underwhelmed. Not enough Christmas spirit, I bet. No, Holly doesn't love Christmas because in this case, despite her name, let's just say that. Right. She travels to the town of St. Nicholas, Idaho, however, which is one of those romance towns that's obsessed with Christmas. The best. I love these towns. Me too. And she's hoping that this town in Idaho, this tiny small town, will give her the inspiration she needs to make her script rewrite a success. Otherwise, she loses the job to her terrible ex-boyfriend. Nobody likes that. Stakes are high here. And um, luckily, she's got a brawny, kind of annoying, but very sexy neighbor named Christopher, with a K, of course. And he's going to help her along. Or maybe get in the way, but I'm going to guess it'll all work out in the end. In a good way. She's going to find the Christmas spirit. Yeah, she is. You can find more about the Christmas script and Sarah Wetmore on Instagram. Her handle there is at writing Sarah, but that is S-A-R-A. And you can get the Christmas script in ebook wherever ebooks are sold. This will be perfect for anybody who loves enemies to lovers and that small town romance, which is so charming at this time of year. Thank you to Sarah for sponsoring this week's episode. I think we should talk about the Eve Duncan series only because... Oh, really? Yeah, I think we should. I mean, there's, there's, there's so few. <laughs> there's, I know, right? I actually was like... I, I was funny because I thought, oh, there's probably 15 of them. There's 26 of them. So at what... I mean, what I'm really fascinated by... I think there's by, 28 Oh, now. is it 28 now? Okay. No. <laughs> See? Um, Wikipedia is wrong, everybody. I don't know who could have ever predicted. Um you know, romance readers, I think, really love characters. And so I think to have a character that you have written this many books about, I think kind of I can see that happening to a romance writer. So why romantic suspense? And then why why this character? Why Eve Duncan? I wrote a book and um, I never intended it to be a series. Mm. Uh, But I was fascinated by the fact uh, that uh, forensic sculpting was actually very new back then and I just became fascinated by it and I thought I would really want this character to have an interesting profession so I dove in and I did some research and then I thought but it's not enough for her to just have a a, a great profession she's got to have a reason for what she does and then I, I brought in Bonnie. But then and then I I supposedly finished off the book and everybody was happy with it and everything like that. And then I thought, it's not finished. So I'll just write one more and, and mm-hmm. maybe I'll be able to finish it. And I wrote one more and it didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. But I swore, I swore that... I wasn't going to to milk anything. These books were going to stand alone and they were going to have a storyline of their own because that's the way I wanted it. And if they didn't, I just wouldn't I just wouldn't write another Eve Duncan book. And I think I held off for like four or five years 
before I found a story that I wanted to to write about Eve Duncan. But uh, as you probably have noticed, uh, in the meantime, they they just sort of developed other characters in it, and and the the families grew, and the uh, and the stories grew, and um, somehow or other, I ended up with twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess my question at this point is, so you wrote one one book. So there was never an intent. It wasn't a sort of conscious, now I'm going to make this shift into romantic suspense. Because it felt at a, there was a time in there where so many of the big right. contemporary romance writers were making that shift into what became romantic suspense and then thrillers, really, after which you know you did too. So I'm sort of curious about that. That journey is it? Is it specific to just the way that you you were growing as a writer, or is it was it a sort of conscious choice? I'm moving toward thrillers. What's that journey like? It was it was purely uh, my journey as a writer, mm. and uh, and the fact that you know I, I said I I love writing and I love telling stories, and I, I was feeling like. The, the amount of of space I was being given wasn't enough for me. Uh, I needed to. I needed more space. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I thought, why can't I branch out and do this and this and this here? Because, and and that would open me up more. Uh, not 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 to the readers per se, but as a storyteller. And. Uh, that was one of one of the reasons is that uh, I, to, I started expanding with with, with uh, historicals was that it was it was an an opening for me it it was it was it was a, it's a way of of doing something new and different and maybe maybe telling the story a different way uh, not not even some some of my stories back then weren't weren't really historicals I, I I developed them all along the way if, if you've if you've read any of those early historicals mm-hmm. and and it was a uh, it, it was really really exciting for me and and but then after a while I decided that okay why don't I take another step it, it'll be it'll open me more it'll 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 let me it'll let me write and and and, and and maybe develop something in myself. So I I thought, okay, um, th- it it's really going to be hard, but maybe maybe I'll just go the thriller. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll try to do something entirely different. So I wrote a book called The Ugly Duckling, mm-hmm. which was. Uh, yeah, which was kind of magical for me, and evidently everybody else thought it was pretty good too. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that really, really w- was the start because I, I, I could, I could tell this story. I could, I could dive in and and uh, let my let my heart say things and do a little crying along the way. And, and yet basically it was a, a thriller that, that I could be proud of. So I started doing some, some more thrillers. I, you know, you mentioned that, that you, you thought that a lot of the, uh, a lot of writers were, were heading in that direction. And, I kind of think that they were, they were maybe like me. Mm-hmm. They'd uh, gone down this road, and they wanted to to make a couple turns, and then all of a sudden they thought that that this is a a great turn, but maybe maybe I could go a little bit further. And let's face it, a, a lot of my friends uh, are fantastic writers. And they did it on their own. They didn't follow in anybody's footsteps. I, I'm just thinking about, I have a lot of uh, friends, but uh, uh, some that are very, very special. And, you know, we took trips and everything like that. And 
uh, I was thinking about, uh, we were up in, um, in Scotland and uh, we'd, we'd talk and, 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 we'd, uh, and we were having such a great time. And you, you'd think that, you know, everybody would think, okay, you know, writers getting together, you know, they were just talking about their stories and everything. <laughs> and we didn't mention our books at all when we were <laughs> up there. Not yeah. at all. Uh, but somehow or other, when we came back in a year or so, we'd all branched out and done our own thing. How fascinating. And then you also now co-write sometimes with your son. So oh, yeah. you also raised a successful storyteller, it sounds like. <laughs> and, and actually, uh, everybody always says, oh, he followed in your footsteps. And he didn't really. When he was in college, uh, he won a contest uh, that was sponsored by uh, uh, Spielberg. Oh. And, and a couple of more, they uh, went ahead and published his uh, his movie that 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 he had done, and uh, then he wrote several other books. Uh, well, plays, uh, the screenplays. He loves movies, mm. and he's fantastic with them. But uh, somewhere along the way, you know, we always said, okay, we, we need to write something together. And uh, but we we were always looking for you know something. So one day he was in in uh, Chicago and he came back and he said, "Mom, I think I found it. I, I think we should write this book about a submarine." <laughs> and I said. <laughs> Roy, I'm not Tom Clancy. <laughs> I was going to say, you weren't raised a Clancy. So I'm curious. So in Chicago, everybody, and actually in my neighborhood is the Museum of Science and Industry. And there is a full-size submarine cool. that you, you can see. <laughs> and, the, and I'm going to tell you something. The first time I... And it's like kind of like way tucked away in this weird part of the museum. And the first time you see it, I I literally was like, "Holy shit!" I mean, I'm sorry, Iris. I was. It really is. There's something really. It really takes your imagination by storm. It's evocative. It really it? is. Yes. So I, as soon as you said Chicago and submarine, I was like, "That is not as weird as it sounds." And that was the first book we wrote together. It, it, it was not a Tom Clancy because. <laughs> Because Roy, Roy said, Mom, really, really, it's not going to be that way. You, we can both handle this. <laughs> it'll, it'll be our own story. <laughs> That's and it amazing. Was. That's amazing. That's really fun. What a cool, what a rewarding thing it must be to write with your with your son, with your child. Oh, I love it. In fact, whenever anybody asks me, uh, what's the best thing? Uh, about co about the th the fact that we get together on these and, and I said I'm a mother what do you think uh, I get my my son is out in L A doing movies and if if we do this together at least once a year I get to see him <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah so um. Iris, I'm thinking about what you were saying about the, the your your close friends, the friends who I mean, obviously there are um, with a career that's as longstanding as yours. You have certainly seen high highs and low lows, and I'm wondering who those who is that group of people who who you keep close and who you turn to when you're you know struggling writing wise or when you're or do you is 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 there, does that not happen to you? <laughs> well, these days. And I mean, it's over time, right? I mean, who were those people in the early days who, you know, I mean, I'm just curious about who your group is. Oh, um, Catherine Coulter, uh, Linda Howard, and uh, that one that you couldn't remember and you should have Sorry, been Sorry, Kay Hooper. Oh, Jen, you're in Kay trouble. Sorry, Sorry, Kay. <laughs> Hey Hooper, we we just got together because we liked each other and we had a lot in common. But but like I said, we never 
we never talk about about our uh, work when we're when we're there, uh, except to say, "Hey, I read that. That's pretty cool." And and then that's it. <laughs> Are you, as a writer, over the course of your career, obviously, um, not necessarily right now, but when you were writing romance, were there other writers who you were um, who were inspiring you, or who were you know you would read something by someone else and think, "Oh wow, you know that's a very cool idea," you know, and f- and feel not um, competitive, but feel like pushed further. Were there were there writers who you were really ad- who you admired in those early days or, you know, and now. I, I, I loved all my friends' work, naturally. Right, right. Uh, and even if we didn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, uh, also Kathleen Woodworth. Sure. Mm-hmm. And she, she was amazing. And Joanna Lindsay. Uh, and... You were naming uh, a few of my friends that you uh, yeah, you interviewed, and and I love them. And uh, Jane Ann Krentz, and and uh, also Anne Maxwell. And uh, I was really uh, upset when uh, when she did not continue with her science fiction because I love those <laughs> science fiction books that she was writing. We did yeah. too. We did too. <laughs> But she, but she was, uh, you know, she, she was wonderful, whatever she wrote. And but uh, I really miss those science fiction books. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, yeah, this is this is the thing that I'm most fascinated by, because, of course, now it's so easy for writers to connect. Right. But in the 80s, you know, it wasn't so easy for us all to end up in the same place. So those conferences really were so valuable to you. We all had individual uh, conferences uh, in, in separate cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you a member of the RWA at this point? Yeah, or? I, I was. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but the RWA was a, was a big thing because we could all get together, you know. Iris, I know that you write mostly thrillers now, but when you think about, you know, romance and how it's changed over time, um, do you have any sense of, like, you know, looking back, like, oh, that was really trailblazing or, or like, we're kind of still in the same place? I, um, I, I think that... Back in in that particular period, when we when we were all just trying to do our own things, it 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 fulfilled a, a need in in all of us. We, we we kind of broke the mold as far as uh, women were concerned during that period. Yes, as you said. Uh, uh, that we, we tried to, to to give them a life and and an excitement, and that feels like it was transformative for readers at the time. Is that accurate? I have friends uh, and relatives who, during that period, they read almost exclusively in the romance genre, and and you ask them why they'll say that they needed it they needed to uh, have the affirmation that uh, life was strong and out there and let's face it um, men were were pretty dominating during that period if if they picked up a, a a book and we showed them a woman who was her own independence and also that that she could walk out there and and beat the hell out of anybody <laughs> <laughs> if she needed to yeah, exactly <laughs> that uh, that was that was an affirmation you know what though i when people ask me why i love romance it's 2021 and that's basically my same answer i want to read a book about a woman who is like strong and powerful and her her life is important and meaningful to the to, to the story every time yeah. right i mean and who knows herself yeah. i mean i feel like that's iris johansson you taught me that heroine should 
should know themselves, should stand for something. And that's, and for themselves. And I think that's something that romance does. And, and I don't, I, I hope it would do it anyway, but I feel like those, those contemporaries from the eighties did a lot of that work for us as a genre. I hope it did because, um, it taught us a lot. And, and, you know, I've been telling you all the way through this is that, uh, you, you just take one step at a time. And if you're lucky, you're going to come out with something that you're, you're proud of. Did you know at the time, and this is sort of a hard question, but were you able to pinpoint at the time that that's what the books were doing? I mean, did it ever come, or was there a point where you realized that that's what the books were doing? And so you started really thinking about that in the text? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what I would have expected. So. <laughs> no, no, it, it was, it was, it was all uh, the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. The, the storytelling was, was everything. It still is. It's still everything. And, uh, I, I, I never thought, had these deep thoughts that, Oh, I'm going to change uh, the genre or anything like that. No, I, I said all I wanted to do was says, "Gee, I want to tell, I want to tell this great story, and and I want it to be exciting, and and I and I and I and, I, and for a while I'll be able to live with these characters that I absolutely adore." And mm-hmm. That was my my whole concept. Very, very light, very shallow. <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's so valuable. I mean, as a writer who I feel like now, those of us who are who are writing, you know, who are newer writers now with technology and uh, the internet, it just feels like there are a lot of voices in your head that aren't the characters and you alone. And there, it's lovely to hear, you know, you are not the first person to say, you know, you, it's the story first, it's the characters first. And everything else follows, and I think that's something that many of those of us who are who are newer to writing can should internalize. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Callie Chase, author of Dishonor Among Thieves. This is a paranormal romance, Sarah. Yeah. Actually, right? It's 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 actually, I guess, I'd say fantasy. So, in this, we have a vampire named Neo. And he is on the hunt for his arch nemesis. Always. Always. But this vampire raider he's uh, searching for has disappeared. And the only way that this could happen is with the, is with dark magic. So Neo is like, I am going to need some help to figure out where this guy went. And he hooks up with Brex Eloise, who is a thief. You love I a th- love a thief. I know. And she I bet she has access to the whole world. Yeah, well, and needs her help. He, of course, she's got dangerous secrets. Perfect. But she is inclined to help him because she has a f- someone she's looking for that's also missing and they figure out cool. this must go you together. You scratch my back. I'll scratch I'll do else. other things for you. So, <laughs> Neo is hell-bent on destruction, right? Brex wants to help the world. We can see the trouble and and the love coming from far away. Can't we? I love it. This one's perfect for people who love slow burns, found family, marriage of convenience, and of course, vampires. You can get it in KU or in print. And special for Faded Mates listeners, if you go to CallieChase.com slash Faded Mates, that's Callie with an I-E, CallieChase.com slash Faded Mates, you can get signed copies from Callie and also more information about Dishonor Among Thieves. Thanks to Callie for sponsoring the episode. So Iris, when you think back on your, I mean, it's a, a huge body of work. Is there a book that you're most, and it doesn't have to just be romance, although we would like you to talk about romance too. Are there, is there a book you were really proud of or one that you thought really connected with readers or the book that you think of being the one that will like be one that will outlive you? People always associate this book with your name. I tell you, uh, I wrote a historical series and it was called The Wind Dancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the Wind Dancer, and uh, and and it it meant a lot to me because it 
I was able to to break into the characters more than than I think that I ever did with any of the other characters. Uh, it, it may not be anyone else's favorite, but that series meant a lot to me. Was it because of the time? Was it related to the the way it wrote or the time of your life or? No, um, it was that I I felt like I I got a hold of the characters and they became mine in a very special way, and it doesn't happen all the time. So you just you just try, and uh, and, and whenever anybody asks me. Uh, it may not be anybody's favorite but mine, mm-hmm. but it was mine because the characters meant so much to me. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on Faded Mates. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about your story and to talk about romance with us for a little bit. Oh, you guys are great. <laughs> well, we we try. <laughs> well. I am honored. I am truly honored. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you guys, here's what I was too embarrassed because she was so awesome to tell her, like, the original, like, the OG Iris Johansson book for me was This Fierce Splendor because they fuck on a horse. <gasps> Jennifer, why didn't you tell her that? Because First I, of all, you did use a dirt, a bad I did word use a bad though, word. I was like, Jen. I'm sorry, it just came out, but you said a bad word around Iris Johansson. Iris Johansson wrote a book about people <laughs> fucking on horses. So dick. Classe. She can handle it, but I was literally like at that moment, I was like, I've gone too far. I can't tell her about this fierce splendor. Oh my God, you should have told her because she would have loved it. And because here's why when I mentioned that she had a hero who flies hot air balloons sure. for a living. No, I'm sorry. He's not like a guy who like you pay money and then go up in his hot air balloon. Yeah. He's like a balloonist. Sure. Listen. I want to have a whole conversation about jobs. I know we've done a whole episode on jobs, but like we gotta ha- we gotta redo yes. jobs because yeah. when I said you have a hero who's a balloonist, she laughed. Yeah. She was like, "Oh, I it's Iris Johansson knows exactly what she was doing in those early. She understood the assignment. She did. Under- <laughs> she made the assignment. She was like, "Let me invent the assignment." She did. She was like, "What's the craziest job you can come up with? Do it." Now here's a character who does it. I, I think I mentioned this in the episode, but like. As if, like, the longer you read romance, right, then there's, like, the books you just, like, blow through, but then somehow some little nugget of it sticks with you. And then here you are, 30 years later, trying to remember the book with the sleeping bag zipped together, which you can never find, and I still haven't. But some of those books, This Fierce Splendor was one of them. So it was this book called White Satin, where you vividly remember, like, the setup or certain characters. And I am not kidding you. So many of these books were Iris Johansson books, those Iris Johansson Mm -hmm. love Oh, that swoop? That That swoop swoop is, in my mind, when I think of that love swept swoop, and it's in the podcast, you've definitely seen it in the podcast images, you'll see, like, if you go to the page, you'll see it. Um, When I think of that love swept swoop, I think, I see Iris Johansson's name over it. There's one, wait, is, which which one is the one that, where they fucking a horse? This fierce splendor. Is it pink? Mm, It's kind of. Does it have a horse in the background? No, is that? Do you have it in your hand? No, Show this it to me. is this is white satin. I do not have a paper copy of this fierce splendor. Okay, wait, hang on, one. because I am pretty sure that that is the Iris Johansson cover that comes to mind mm. every time I think of her, um, because it has a horse in the background. Um, hang on, I'm checking. You're googling I'm it. Going to the tape <laughs> because oh no, 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 this is not it. <laughs> um. No, but that's it. But it it does. It's just two of them sitting in a pile of leaves. Hey, wait, check so. out. Listen, my other like all time favorite Iris Johansson cover is one called Wild Silver, where she is mm. wearing this like diaphanous, like nothing, like the mist. The mist has arrived to cover her tits from us. Yes, and I Listen. love it. We are doing covers wrong, you guys. Oh, God. I've got to we tell really, you. We really, really are. What is wrong with everybody? <laughs> so These covers, there's, I'm looking one right now. I, I don't want to, I mean, there's a hookah in the background. <laughs> like, it's just, 
There's, I mean, you guys, so Irish much. Johansson was like, along with like, I mean, I would say along with Sandra Brown, Iris Johansson yeah. like made me a romance reader. And I will tell you, I knew somehow that Sandra Brown was like about her first books. I guess we had done the Texas Chase. We've never done a standalone Iris Johansson episode. So I'd never really, we don't do a ton of research. I'm just like, I know them because I read them. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Touch the Horizon. I think I have that one in my house. It has a horse on the back. Love Swip 59. I wonder what Love Swip 69 is. I'm such a child. Anyway. <laughs> fine. Um, don't listen to any of this part, Iris. Just stop here. <laughs> you, she expects it of you because you have a foul mouth. Oh, God. I so never her. swear. She was Iris. such a southern lady. She really was. But you know, she wrote a, she wrote sex on horseback though. She, so knew. she knows. She knew what was going on. She's fine. Yeah. I also really love the stories. I think it's really interesting because now the story of I was in the break room with my yellow pad yeah. is now the stories of people who are like, I compose my entire book on my phone. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the the that urge to write to find the time and the place to do it. I really love hearing people people's stories like that. We have heard that story now from many people. Yes. Like the I had a full-time job. In Iris's case, divorced mother of two. Yeah. Like I that is incredible. Absolutely. And I just think um, you know, I was really moved by the arc of her story and the stories she wanted to tell being about women who claimed space and work and identity for themselves Yes, in light of the way she became a writer. You know, writing, you hear stories about writers who write themselves, they write themselves out of challenge. Right. Right? Like, I'm a divorced mom of two. I don't have any other choices. And the story of her in the pizza parlor. Oh, just God. Realizing that she, her whole life was going to change. And what's remarkable about that is that when you first hear often as writers, when we first, when we sell our first book, it feels that way. It's like, my life is going to change. And then for many of us, it doesn't. For many of us, it's, you know, we're very lucky to have had one or two. Um, But in her case, I mean, it really did. It changed her whole world and her kids' world. And absolutely, um, you know, my God, the things that single moms do. Yeah, right. So if you're out there and you're a single mom... This one's for you. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It feels every single one of these episodes to me, and I know we keep saying it every time, it feels like I just stumbled across, like, the time capsule, right? Like, hearing the stories about what it was like and just, you know, what it took and, you know, someone calling you on the phone, Carolyn Nichols calling you and saying, I want to buy it. Do you have another one? (laughs) Yeah. You know. I mean, I was talking to my sister about this. I did tell my sister that we interviewed Iris Johansson. Oh, she, sure. Your sister. She whatever. was a huge, I mean, as we all know, she was a category, like category obsessed. Um, She's 10 years older than me. So she's in her fifties and she is the reader who moved with Iris Johansson and Catherine Coulter and Kay Hooper and, um, you know, everyone else. Sandra Brown out of romance into romantic suspense and then into thrillers. And you know, it's interesting because we've never talked, we didn't talk about this with Sandra Brown and we didn't talk about this with Iris either. Um, But like maybe if we have someone else on who is a romantic suspense person who moved into thrillers, we could talk to them about the fact that the thrillers never really let go of the romance. Right. 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 Like Sandra's Blind Tiger, which came out right when we had her, when we interviewed her, is, yeah, a mystery slash thriller. But it still has that strong romance there. Very romantic. And so I think there's this question of like, is it romantic suspense or is it thriller with romantic elements? Is there a difference? There is, I think. But like, certainly what Iris. Johansson and Sandra Brown and Catherine Coulter are writing now is not the same as what Lee Child and right, right, absolutely, you know, um, yeah. I don't know James Patterson are doing right, right. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I just think um, it's also really interesting too because I don't know, like the arc of a career, right? Like, so we had Vincent Verga on, and he 
he like wrote one the first and kind of like first gay romance and that was it and then he moved on but he still left this huge mark on the on the genre but then you have like Iris Johansson who you know wrote romance kind of only for 15 years and then transitioned right and then you have Beverly Jenkins who stayed with romance all along never stopped right? like there's no right or wrong path it's just your path no and i did have a thought today i had a thought when we were talking with her about you know she said it's just the path that right you know, it's i was looking for more room yes right Sandra and i think i don't think she was similar. thinking right. about word count i think she was talking about like something more yeah, that she could a write a different kind of story and I wonder if those limitations, those genre boundaries were harder then. Um, because I think now we're, I mean, we are, right? It's when we're recording this is 2021. I don't know when this is running, but in 2021, it feels like you and I have been talking a lot about like, are there, the boundaries of romance are getting really fluid. Like there's this, like what we're kind of casually thinking about as romantic fiction. There's like women's fiction with romantic elements. There's, you know, romantic suspense is getting more suspensey. Like, so where are the boundaries? And it's feeling like they are less rigid. And and I feel like for women who were writing in the 90s, trying to push those boundaries, at some point, the editors were like, well, that's no longer a romance. And maybe that's wrong. We're going to have an editor on and we'll ask all these questions when we get there. It's really also fascinating to think about these trailblazer episodes as in conversation with conversation with each other. And so, right here, you have Iris Johansson and Sandra Brown saying, I needed more room. That was very similar for both of them. But then you have Jane and Krenz saying, I, right, genre is essentially the the mythology of our culture. And as long as you know your core story, you will never be bored in genre, right? And so you have a very different kind of reasoning, a very different kind of path, a very different kind of, of you know, write a writing mm-hmm. career because of that. And, and I, again, I'm fascinated, fascinated by all of it. And I think that's yeah. the part too. It's like every, you know, being human is about growing and changing and that's yeah. going to look different for different people. And it's going to look yeah. different for different people at different times. So I am really fascinated by thinking about as we do more and more of these, how some of these statements from various people match up with or are um, kind of a counter argument, right, to the way other yeah. writers felt. Yeah. I am really fascinated by the way that so many of these conversations um really reveal the rules as they were being written. Yes. Right? Like, and I I mean, not to harp on jobs, right? But it's such a clear difference between what characters did in category romance in 1983 versus what they do now. And it's so fascinating to me. And I want the PhD thesis on why that evolution has changed and how cap how like late stage capitalism has impacted that because you don't have billionaire heroes in the 80s like you do have, you have some businessmen and all the men have money right so obviously like they take money off the table as a negotiable but it's like the balloonist or the stuntman or the you know whatever nobody's just like oh i I work in a glass and and steel tower. And if they do, it's not honored in any way. Not the way it is now. It's really fascinating. Um, And I just, gosh, and all all these heroines with such cool jobs. At some point, the the switch flipped there. And I'm curious about why. And I'm also curious about whether when the switch flipped, that was because, I don't know if it was because all these, all these writers were leaving or if it was like a dip in contemporary. Remember in the, in the uh, late, in the sort of early aughts, there was this like contemporaries dying and maybe it was some, we lost all that in there, but there's something, 
I feel like I'm I'm dancing around it, and I don't know what it is, and I'm it's going to come to me in two weeks in the middle of the night. But there is a very interesting conversation to be had about this. I feel I think. like we made a really strong case for, you know, the downturn in 2009 and Christian Gray, yeah, as being representative of a kind of economic fear that. Like women felt they were under, we families were yeah. under, yeah, and yeah, romance yeah. responded to that in a really specific way. But it is, yeah. But I'm just curious about. I'm curious about more than that. I'm curious about like the characterization of these. Oh yeah, of work itself. The way these, yeah. the way characters are presented in these earlier books, vis a vis work. There, I've done it now. Now it's academic. I've said vis a vis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Put me on NPR. Girl, if NPR called, you know we'd be all about it. I know. We'd be like, yeah, all right, Fade of Mates. Welcome to WBEZ Chicago. <laughs> Let me tell you about our project. <laughs> I love a project. Well, anyway, I really was thrilled to talk to Iris Johansson. It was cool. It was super Look, cool. I said at the beginning, I'll say it now. What a cool job we have. Very much so. <laughs> um, you can find us at Faded Mates on Twitter or at Faded Mates Pod on Instagram. You can check our website for show notes, links to merchandise, um, I don't know, information about other stuff, other, uh, information about all the other side projects we have. And um, have a great week, everybody. Yeah, stick with us. We've got more Trailblazers to come. Mm-hmm.